Lord, I just I thank you for this class of 2018. Lord, we just we celebrate them today. And Lord, as, as I speak, Lord, to them, but not just to them, to everybody in this room, Lord, would you speak through me and be glorified at what happens now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for anyone who serves in youth ministry, this day is a roller coaster of emotions this weekend as we celebrate our graduates. Because on the one hand, we're so excited for them. We're happy for them to finish and to, to graduate and succeed. But on the other hand, as you can see all those faces down here, it's a sad day because they're going to be leaving the youth ministry and we're going to miss their leadership. But we hand them off to Steve Hedlund and our college group. And we know they will be in good hands there. Now, what, what sets this class apart from many others was their heart to serve. Uh, and our leaders, we have a great group of leaders who led our small group uh, of seniors, and they challenged this class to do service projects. And so I've got some pictures. I just want to share with you some of the things this class has done. And it began in the early in the school year when a group of students uh, went to Houston to help with Hurricane Harvey cleanup. Uh, some of our students made gift baskets for Embrace Grace and even served at the Embrace Grace shower for these moms who decided to keep their babies. Some of the guys on Thanksgiving Day went and served uh, turkey dinners to needy families. Others baked cookies and cupcakes around the holidays, and they, they took them to fire stations and police stations, and they blessed those who serve our community. And some have been collecting um, care packages for our homeless ministry and, and delivering those as well. And just last week, a group of our, our seniors, they hosted a appreciation dinner for some of our leaders, and they planned and cooked and did all that stuff for some of our leaders. So class of 2018, I want to say, we are so proud of you. We are so proud of you. Now this morning, this morning we're going to examine uh, some scriptures that really kind of talks about where these students are in this season of life, but it also speaks to us as parents of how we view our children. And finally, it speaks to everybody in this room of how God views us. So let's take a look at Psalm 127. We're going to look at verses 3 through the first half of 5. It says this, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is one of those all-time great parenting passages. You know, I have it highlighted and underlined in my Bible. And with each child that Tina and I were blessed with, I had to remember two things. Each one of our children was a gift from the Lord, and each one of our children was another arrow in our quiver. So first, children are a gift of the Lord. They're not a burden they're not an expense. They're not an annoyance. They're not a bother. Children are a gift of the Lord. Now, sometimes we receive gifts that we ask for, and sometimes we receive some gifts that are surprises. Now, this is definitely the wedding season at Grace Community Church. Um, 
I know for us in, in the next, in a couple weeks, we're going to start three weekends in a row of going to weddings. Now, if you want to buy a gift for the bride and groom, you can simply go to one of the stores where they've registered. Maybe it's Bed Bath & Beyond or Target or wherever, because they go through the store with a little scanner and they decide this is what we need, this is what we want for our home. Now, some people will do that. They'll go buy those gifts that the people have asked for. Other people will say, you know what, I, I want to surprise them with something I think they might like. And they go buy a different gift that's not on their list. Now, both methods result in gifts, some that they asked for and some that they haven't. You see, sometimes God blesses us with children when we ask for them. And sometimes he blesses us with children and he surprises us. But see, unlike a bad wedding gift... Every gift that God gives us is good. It's good. We just need to be willing to receive it. So I have a picture of my gifts uh, that the Lord has blessed Tina and I with. Um, all of our kids came to us in various ways. Um, our oldest is Chris, and he's the second from the right. And uh, Chris came to us way earlier than we had planned. In fact, we didn't plan. And we found ourselves pre pregnant, and we found ourselves parents within the first year of our marriage. Andrew was planned, and he came two years and two months after Chris. Now, I grew up in a home where it was just me and my brother. So in my mind, we have Chris, we have Andrew, we're done, okay? In my mind. Now, Tina, my wife Tina, she grew up in a home with four children. And so in her mind, we weren't quite finished. So she convinced me that we should have another child. So three and a half years after Andrew, we're blessed with Josh. And then she says, you know, Josh is going to have someone to play with. You know, Chris has Andrew, and there's a big gap. And then Josh needs, of course, Jordan. So 20 months after Josh, Jordan was born. Now, so, okay, I'm thinking we're done. We have two. And she's thinking, we're done. We have four. Now, doesn't God have a sense of humor? You see, I wanted two, and Tina wanted four. And God said, hey, how about six? <laughs> and so long after we thought we were done, five years after Jordan was born, came our only daughter, Amy. And then three and a half years after Amy came our last surprise, David. Six gifts from the Lord, each of them very unique. All of them were loud. All of them are expensive. <laughs> but they were all gifts nonetheless. So the first thing to remember that our children, they're all gifts. The second thing to remember is that each child that we were blessed with was another arrow in our quiver. Again, let's look at Psalm 127 starting in verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Think about this. The Bible says that our kids, our children, are arrows. Okay? Arrows are offensive weapons. They're not a shield. They're not a helmet. They're not armor. They are offensive weapons. Arrows are used to shoot out and attack your enemy or defend yourself 
from your enemy. And then the Bible says, guess what? We are warriors. Okay, a warrior is someone who will fight for his king and his kingdom and defend what belongs to him and defend his family and fight for what he believes in. So God has designed the family so that we can prepare our children to be used as offensive weapons against the kingdom of darkness. Let me say that again. God has designed the family so that we could prepare our children to be used as offensive weapons against the kingdom of darkness. What a great picture this is of this graduating class. These young men and these young women are being shot out as arrows to pierce the darkness. I brought with me today a bow and some arrows. This belongs to my son, Josh. Uh, this right here is a very, very high-powered uh, hunting device, okay? This bow it has a quiver, and this quiver right here is filled with six arrows. How ironic that that is filled with six arrows on a similar thing there. But the idea here, right, is this is an offensive weapon, and it's all about the arrows. So if we look at the arrows... This arrow is a very, very precise instrument. Now, in order to hit the target that you're aiming for, the arrow must be straight. And in order to be effective, the tip must be very sharp. And this tip is extremely sharp. And as I learned from my friend Stephen, the, what you call fletching? Is that right? Did I say that right? Thank you. Uh, at the back, the fletching, you know, it must be just right. It has a little curvature to it. And so when the arrow is shot out, it creates maximum spin and then maximum distance and straight. So that as you aim for the target, the arrow will go where you aim. Now, so think about this. The Bible's saying that our children are just like these arrows. So as parents, it's our job to make sure the arrow is straight. Make sure the tip is sharp. Make sure the, the fletching, these fins at the back, are shaped just right. So that when we shoot our kids out into the world, we can hit the target that we're aiming for. And so the class of 2018 is being sent out today because they're arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Very powerful verse. So we prepare the arrows, we aim them, we shoot them out, and as long as we prepare them in the ways of the Lord, God says, I will do my job and keep them on target. Now, I want to make a couple of points here. Now, some of you have children that you trained up in the ways of the Lord. You diligently prepared your arrows and you shot them at the right target. But somewhere along the way, they've gotten off track. I want to remind any of you who have prodigals of this verse. Philippians 
1.6 says this, For I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You didn't begin the work of Christ Jesus in their life. He did. God did. God started that. And he says, he promises he will complete it. He will finish it. He will perfect it. So if we have a prodigal, that doesn't mean we just sit back and say, okay, God, do your job. It means we, we must be on our knees and we must be praying for our prodigals. And we must um, continue our relationship with them. And we must steer that conversation back and keep pointing them back to Jesus. But remember, God started the work in their hearts. It's his job to finish it. The second thing is every adult in this room is an arrow that's been shot out. Now, some of you guys were raised in the ways of the Lord and your parents shot you at the right target and you've been following him. And some, like me, didn't grow up in a Christian home and our parents just shot us out with no godly intention, okay? But by the grace of God, he has steered our arrows in the right direction, okay? And redeemed us and forgiven us. And so I want to say this to all of us in this room, that we've been shot out. We have a purpose. Everybody in this room has a calling to serve him and to glorify him. And so we must remember to live on purpose. Okay. So the first idea is that we are arrows. Everyone in this room is an arrow. And the second thing is, is the target. So just as important as filling our quiver with arrows we must understand what are we aiming at when we shoot out our children? What are we shooting for? One of my favorite quotes that I, I think I stole like off one of these, you know, pictures that are in office buildings or something, you know, with, with motivational things. It says this, aim at nothing and you will hit it every time. Think about that for a minute. Aim at nothing, and you will hit it every time. See, in life, it's important. We have to have goals. We have to have plans. And we have to know where we're aiming. What are we aiming for? And so there's lots of ways in the Bible that we could go here, but I want to focus on really this two-pronged idea of our target. And it's this, to know him and to make him know. Okay? And so the first part of this target is to know him. So let me ask you this. Do you know about him or do you know him? There's a big difference. The greatest believers in history are those who had a great passion to know him more. In Exodus 33, 18, Moses pleaded with the Lord, please show me your glory. The psalmist in Psalm 42, 1 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And in Philippians 3.10, although Paul has known the Lord for many years, he longs to know him more. In fact, let's look at that passage from Philippians 3, beginning in verse 8. So Paul has just kind of listed off all the stuff he's done. 
how he's followed the law precisely, how he's the Pharisee of the Pharisees and followed every rule exactly. And then he says this, more than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Powerful words. In the book of James, it says that our life here on earth is but a vapor. And every time I, I see this scripture and I hear this and I read it, I think of you know, my breath on a cold morning or on a cold day and how you just go... And it's there, and then it's gone. What James is saying is, life here on earth, compared to eternity, is that short. And so I ask you this, what are you willing to live for in your short time here on earth? What are you willing to do in these short number of days? there was a business management professor at Duke University. And he asked his students to draft a personal strategic plan. And he he reported that with few exceptions, what they wanted fell into three categories. Money, power, things. But not just regular things. They wanted very big things. They wanted vacation homes and expensive foreign automobiles, and they wanted yachts, and they even wanted airplanes. So what the students were saying to the, to the faculty at Duke University is, teach me how to be a money-making machine. There was no thought of humanitarian service or thought of spiritual values. There was no focus on family or relationships. Yet, what those students wanted really is what most people really deep down want. Money, power, and stuff. You know, in our graduate booklet, we asked our students, what are your immediate plans for the future and where do you hope to be in 10 years? See, setting goals is extremely important. Aim at nothing and you will hit it every time. But to our class of 2018, I want to say this, and really to everyone in this room, I want you to think about this. There is no greater goal than knowing Christ Jesus our Lord and becoming more like Him. For in that, and in that alone, is where you will find your ultimate satisfaction. Because if you pursue money, you'll only want more. If you pursue power, you're only looking for that next opportunity. And and when we pursue things, when we just go after stuff, that stuff is never enough. We always want another gadget and something else. 
Only in knowing Christ Jesus will we be fulfilled. You know, our number one goal in youth ministry, our number one thing we want to see is that by the time they graduate, we see our students have their own faith in Jesus. You know, they enter as seventh graders, little kids, really. And sometimes they're there just because their friends are there. And sometimes they come to youth ministry because their parents make them. Or maybe it's just sort of the next thing to do. But it's really, really cool that somewhere along the way, between then and graduation, our students, the light bulb goes off and they begin to understand what it really means to follow Jesus, to turn from sin and self and to repent and believe and follow him because they choose to follow him. They don't believe just because their parents believe. They choose to believe because they want to believe. That is our goal. And another little, you know, little side note commercial for our youth ministry. I want to say this. Why, why do we even have youth ministry? Youth ministry is not in the Bible, right? We, we want to tell you this. Our youth ministry exists to come alongside parents to help you train up your sons and your daughters to follow Jesus. As a parent of six kids... And uh, my, my daughter will turn 20 in, in November. And, and my son David is almost 16. So we've been, we've been doing the teenage parenting thing for a long time. And I will tell you this. Parenting teenagers is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. We have had some great successes and joys. And we've had some hard, hard, hard times. And so as a youth ministry team, we understand and we get the idea that we are here to help you. And so if you've got, if you're, if you've got young kids and you're in Ventureland and you're wondering, man, is this youth ministry thing really good for our kids? I want to say yes. We're here to help you. We're here to help you. And this, this front was filled with 39 really incredible students that have followed Jesus. Okay. Back, done with my commercial. Um, so our, our first part of the target is to know him. Now, many people stop here, and they're satisfied. I know him. I come to church. I worship. I have my devotional life. I know him. But they're, they're good, and they stop there. The second step I want to say that's very important is, is beyond just knowing him is to make him known. So this is the idea, to make him known is the idea of our kids as arrows in the hands of a warrior. They become offensive weapons for the kingdom of God to pierce the darkness. See, we're commanded to be disciple makers, both here and in the nations. Matthew 20, 18, I'm sorry, 28, 19 through 20, Great Commission we should all know this, says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice here, Jesus didn't say, Go therefore, 
comma, those of you who have the gift of evangelism, comma, make disciples. Or go, therefore, those of you who are comfortable at doing that. No, Jesus said to everyone, all of us, go and make disciples. I shared an illustration with you about eight years ago, and I wanted to share that with you again. So I'm going to ask this question. What is your favorite part of a football game? Now, we, we could talk about football right now because, you know, right now our Texas Rangers, well, it's going to be a long summer. And so our, most of the football fans around here, our eyes are towards spring training in July when the Cowboys, you know, the draft was just on. I love watching the draft. I don't know why, but I sit there and I watch it. But I love football. And so the favorite part of a football game, some people would say, you know, I love a long touchdown pass. Or maybe it's a touchdown run. You know, Zeke Elliott comes around the corner and breaks free and goes all the way. Maybe some of you guys like a good sack of the quarterback. Okay, especially like Eli Manning getting sacked. That's okay. Uh, um, and so some people like that. For me, okay, I like a good hit. It's all but been eliminated from football. But I love when a receiver is coming across the middle, and just as his hands catch the ball, here comes the safety, and he, he lays into him with his shoulder and knocks the ball free. Now, I doubt anyone in this room would say that their favorite part of a football game is the huddle. You know, it's when the, all the players gather before the play, and they make a circle, they put their arms around each other. Maybe they hold hands. They pat each other on the bottom. And the quarterback barks out his commands, what the receiver's supposed to do, what the play is, what the protection is, what's the formation, and they run the play. But can you imagine if Dak Prescott runs out with the offense, Dallas Cowboys offense, and they huddle up, and he barks out the commands to the receivers and the protection and the play and the formation, and then they say, okay, break. And they all go sit on the sidelines. They wait a little bit. And then they come back onto the field and they huddle again. And Dak Prescott is looking everybody in the eye intensely and telling them what to do. And they say, break. And they go to the sidelines and sit down. Now, obviously, that would be crazy, right? Because that offense wouldn't go anywhere. That offense couldn't do anything anything with that method of playing. You know, the Cowboys would never win. I mean, unless their defense did something special, you're not going to score any points with that kind of offense. I want to say this. That's what too many Christians are doing. You see, churches around the world, we do a great job of huddling Okay, we've got great plays being called every Sunday. But so many of us, we walk out the door and we're content to go sit on the bench and watch the game. Jesus didn't tell us to go into the world and, and isolate ourselves from it. Jesus told us, he commanded us to go into the world and to make disciples. It's time for us to run the plays that are being called. You know, we're all arrows that have been shot out for the kingdom of God 
Every person in this room can be a disciple maker. I want to I wanna say something about one of my kids this morning. And, uh, uh, Tina and I wrestled with this. She's like, I don't, I don't think you should say that. It sounds like you're tooting your own horn. I said, I, I don't know. I don't know a better example right now, okay? So I want to say something about my son, my son David. Uh, he's about to finish his freshman year at Martin High School. He's decided to make a difference at Martin, and he's decided to make a difference with his circle of friends. And so he played on the baseball team, and I've got a picture here of the team. This happens before every game. This is the freshman team. Now, I don't, I don't know the JV team, what they do. I don't know what varsity does. What I know is that the freshman team, before every game, will gather together and pray together. And in the center of that circle is number three, my son David, and he leads them in prayer every game, before every game. And since, since joining the youth group, Since joining the youth group in seventh grade, David has invited and brought to our youth group either directly or indirectly. Indirectly, I mean, he's invited some friends and they've invited some friends. And he has brought over 20 students that are now connected into our youth group. Okay. Eight of those, I want you to think about this. Eight of those students have come to faith in Jesus and are now following him. And just two months ago, and I've got a picture of this, two months ago, David and five of his best friends were baptized here in this church. And their baptism videos had a very similar theme. Each one of them said, you know, my friend David, and then they also mentioned his, their friend Chris. Uh, Chris got saved a year ago. And so they just kept saying, you know, David and Chris kept telling us about God. And telling us what Jesus had done. And they kept inviting us to come to youth group. And, and now eight of his friends have been saved. And um, 30 whatever years ago, I worked with a, a young lady who was a college student and a youth leader in our youth group. And I didn't go to church. I was a senior in high school. And she pestered me and invited me. And this young lady, Diane Grimm, was the reason I decided to go to youth group. And she really is the main reason why I got saved. And I know years from, I mean, even, okay, so we're talking, I don't know, 37, 38 years ago, whatever it's been. And I still remember Diane. And, um, you know, decades from now, you know, when, when, these, when those kids that you saw pictures of and, and some of the others are going to be with their kids, and their grandkids, and they're going to say, you know, there was this young man. You know, who told me about the Lord. And, uh, and he invited us to come to youth group. And that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm saved. And, and uh, you know, I'll say, David, he's a good kid. You know, he, he plays guitar and he sings on the worship team. That's, that's really cool. He's a great baseball player. That's really cool. But nothing makes me more proud of him than the fact that he is sharing his faith and impacting his friends for Jesus.
proud of you, David. I love you. It's a lot harder this service with him sitting in here, I tell you. Because look, let me say this. Everybody in this room can do that. Okay? We all have... Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. No, I'm just... Everybody in this room can do this, okay? We all have some family members that don't know Jesus. We all have neighbors that we know that don't know Jesus. We work with people. We have a circle of friends. God has given you a sphere of influence. Be influencers. Okay? Invite them here. That's easy. Okay? Share your faith. Talk about what God has done in your life. It's a big deal, and it's something we can all do. See, Jesus never commanded us to just know him and keep what we know to ourselves. We are God's arrows that have been shot out to pierce the darkness. So our target as we shoot out and as we've been shot out, our target must be to know him and to make him known. So as I think about the class of 2018 and how many, I mean, it's like when, when they came down with their parents, like this is a big church just right here. Like you could plant that church and it'd be a large church. Uh, but I, I think I was thinking about the class of 2018 and every one of them, you know, if you read through their booklets, we encourage you to read through it and pray for our kids. They're about to face a fork in the road. Okay. And we want them to follow Jesus, to continue to follow Jesus. Okay. We got to pray for them. Now, I was thinking about how, you know, they're just this wide-eyed, I'm an I'm adult, I'm finishing. Now what? I'm going off to school, or maybe I'm staying here, or maybe I'm going to take a year off, or maybe I'm going to go into the workplace, but I've got all these ideas and plans, and, and what am I going to do, and how will that work out and steer me? And I was thinking I, of, of some of the parents of those very students. And so what I'm going to do, I'm gonna, we're going to look back at some parents of those students and what they were thinking when they graduated high school and where are they now. So first, I've got a picture here. This young lady from the class of 1987, she had already been dating the man that she eventually married. They had been dating for four years. She wanted to attend Ohio State University, get her teaching degree, get married, and have four children. But those plans were changed and halted by infertility issues. Now, she got married her junior year of college, but little did she know what God had in store for her and her husband. Because Lori Nelson, along with her husband Eric, they adopted triplets from birth. They would go on, they would adopt a total of eight children who might otherwise not have a loving family or a home. And she was used by God. I mean, just look at this beautiful family that, that this husband and wife were able to impact the lives of these young people. 
You know what's really cool is after 11 years, or 11 years ago, God even surprised them when she gave birth to a daughter. So now Lori and her husband Eric, today they shoot out three arrows. Isaac, Becca, and Bree into the world. All right, this next young man from the class of 1986. Man, he had dreams. I mean, he had, he's a good looking guy, isn't he? He had dreams of playing guitar in a rock band. He certainly had the hair for it. I said, that's a mullet. He goes, that's not a mullet. I said, yeah, it's a mullet. But see, God had bigger plans for him. He, he kind of went on his fallback plan, which was to become a commercial pilot, and he did. But he and his family have been in this church for, really, we're talking decades. And here's what's really cool. Two Sundays ago, Mike Robinson became an elder in this church. And God is using him to shepherd this flock. So now, today, Mike... And his wife, Kathy, they shoot out another arrow. Today they shoot out Mia into the world. All right, our next young lady, she came from the class of 1984. I mean, look at that dress. That is just amazing. Now, I loved what she said to me. She said this. She said, I never had a strong sense of a particular thing she wanted to do or work towards. But she knew that hard work, being consistent, being responsible, going above and beyond with Jesus' name, being glorified as her motivation. That would let her be successful wherever she went and whatever she did. So she married Carrie in 1989, and they joined Wycliffe Bible Translators and worked in Papua New Guinea at, in literacy support. But now, Rhoda Morgan, she is our ESL director here at Grace Community Church. And she is impacting the global kingdom of God by reaching out to people from all the many nations that come to live here. And they come here for free English lessons. And he, she and her team are being Jesus to them. But now, Rhoda and her husband, Carrie, today shoot out their daughter, Evelyn, into the world. So our next young man from the class of 1985, he didn't have his graduation picture. to send, So he sent me this. His kindergarten graduation. I mean, isn't that adorable? Okay. And he said, well, I got another picture of me in high school getting an award. So he sent me that. So here's. So, okay, this young man had dreams of becoming an astronaut and being the first man on Mars. And that led him to study aerospace engineering. But two days before his 25th birthday, he had an encounter with God and was radically saved. And God told him to teach the Bible and tell people about Jesus. Now, Brian Andrews is a cross-cultural outreach pastor here at Grace. He trains people to share the gospel, both locally and globally, through programs known as Multiply and Launch, and he is impacting the kingdom of God. 
But now today, Brian, along with his wife, Amy, they shoot out their daughter, Haley, into the world. We got a great class of 2018. And two weeks ago, they, they shot a video with some things that they wanted to, to say and to talk about what's on their heart. And so we want to close by watching this video. personal gain, self-enhancement, and harmful desires. Everyone wants to be heard, but no one wants to listen. Yet we, as God's chosen, have been called to do something different. To rise above what surrounds us. If life is like hiking a mountain, our goal is to reach the summit. But to reach that summit, we must make sure that each step is planted on that solid ground. As we keep fighting our way up, step by step, there will be discouraging moments. When the summit appears unattainable, God reminds us to look back and see just how far we've come. a life that is loftier than what this world offers. The Lord requires us to walk in obedience to Him, knowing His word, knowing His truth, and being brave enough to stand up for Him. Guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech, and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called. We want to take hold of the eternal life that we've been called to. Last night, we had our graduate dinner, and in that room upstairs, our youth room was filled with over 100 students, parents, and leaders. Um, and I said this to the parents, so I want to say to the parents of the class of 2018 again, great job. Parents, you did a good job. It's a great group of kids. 
You should be proud. So remember today, okay? All of us. What are we? We're arrows, okay? What are we aiming at? To know him, to make him known. Before I close this in prayer, I want to say a few things. If this is your very first Sunday here, we'd like to meet you. Our senior pastor, Gary, would like to meet you. And over here in this corner is our welcome area for first-time visitors. So we want to invite you over here. If you've been coming for a while and just have a few questions and want to learn more and meet a pastor, meet some of our staff, you can go to this corner and we have Connection Coffee. Now to everyone in the room, today is Grace Cafe. And I believe we're having oven fried chicken. I'm not sure how you fry chicken in an oven, but if Linda's in charge, it will be good. Okay, so remember, it's just $5. So meet someone today and say, hey, let me buy you lunch. Have some fellowship, meet some new people, and have some great time together. And so that's right in our Life Center building. And finally, if you're here today and you just need some prayer, prayer for healing, emotionally, physically, whatever's going on in your life, we will have some elders down front who will be willing to pray for you. Let's all stand and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the class of 2018. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their impact on our lives, the impact that they've had on our youth group. Lord, for the servants' hearts that they've displayed and and showed as an example to all that are coming after them. And Lord, for each one of us in this room today, Lord, may, may we be reminded that we are all been arrows, just like them, been shot out to, to make an impact for your kingdom, to pierce the darkness. Lord, so lead us today. Lead us today and this week to have those conversations and to be the person that will invite someone or to share their faith and make you known. And so, Lord, I just pray now as we're dismissed, you would bless us and, and, and lead us today. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.